Good evening and welcome to Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg. I'm Hunter Combs and this evening in the studio with me is Dr. Peter Hammond. Good to have you here, Peter. Thank you, Hunter. First time in our new studio. Yeah, this is great. This is we're recording from our studio in Rondebosch and yeah, this is a brand new studio to us, so it's really a blessing to have this space. And Salt and Light Radio has been going for, what, 25 years now? 25 years, since August 1995. And just to date you, that would make me six years old when you guys started. Yeah. So I wasn't on the air back when I was six years old. <laughs> awesome. So this evening, we're going to be talking about worldviews in conflict and what the Bible has to say about it and how we as Christians should evaluate these worldviews that come in contact with us. And the real issue is so many Christians, they grow up in Christian homes, maybe sort of cultural Christianity, and then you go off to either high school or college, and then you're confronted with these secular ideologies, these secular ideas that, no, there is no God, the Bible isn't authoritative, Christ was only a man. And then you get all these conflicting ideas coming in conflict with us, and then these Christian children actually begin to become atheists, and you, we are losing a generation of our children to the secular world. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what we're going to be discussing tonight, and what the biblical answer is to this problem. So can you just uh, start us off, Peter, as we begin to think more critically about worldviews and conflict? Most of us should know Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you'll be able to test what the will of God is, his good, acceptable, and perfect will. Now, we shouldn't be conformed to the world, but let's face it, mostly we are conformed to the world mm. because if we read the world's materials and we visit the world's websites and we watch the world's movies and mm. we are uh, receiving their secular humorous version of education, it doesn't matter how Christian a heart feels, a mind will slowly but surely get conformed to the world unless mm. we are carefully studying the Word of God daily mm. and applying the Word of God to every area of life. So there's this warning, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by mm. not the removal of your mind, but the <laughs> renewing of your mind, which is by studying the Word of God. The Word of God is absolute rock-solid truth. It's the gold standard. And if we want to know if something's right or wrong or true or not, We've got to study the Word of God in context. Hmm. Yeah, and you can't go anywhere in the world today and not be confronted with some false ideology. You can't even stand in the queue at the store. Uh, you can't turn on the radio. You hardly can look anywhere without being confronted with these ideologies. So, like you said, we want to study the true article, the genuine uh the genuine article so that we know it's false. If we want to know what false teachings are, we don't study the false teachings. If you want to know what a counterfeit bill is, you don't study the counterfeits. You look at what is a genuine bill look like. How do you know what the false is? Well, you study the real, the true one so that you can see, ah, this one's not quite right. And that's what we need to do. We need to be conformed to God's word. We need to be saturated in the word of God. I think uh, the book of Jude, the second to last book of the Bible, it's a very instructive book. It's about false teachers. And one thing that Jude says at the very beginning of this short letter is he says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So even in his day and age, he was saying he wants to go on to deeper things about salvation, but rather he has to say, just stick to the faith. 
stick to the genuine article that was once for all delivered to the saints. And then he goes on to warn them against false teachers. He says, in the last time, there will be scoffers, followers of their own ungodly passion. It is these who have caused division, worldly people, devoid of the spirit. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God that leads to eternal life. And so we as Christians need to keep ourselves in the love of God, but also in the study of his word so that we know what these false teachings are so that we can distance ourselves and rather be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Yes, so when people go into the world, whether it's their first secular job or whether it's in a secular college, obviously every Christian wants to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. You want to change the world for Christ. You want to be salt and light. You want to be a positive influence. You like to win your friends and colleagues and fellow students to the Lord. Mm. But instead, what often seems to be the case is that the average Christian seems ill-prepared for the world war of worldviews and the incredible hostility, not just to Christian doctrines, but to just basic biblical worldviews, so that if you didn't know it by now, uh, what a few years ago would have seemed like an obvious comment like, well, there's only two genders, or marriage can only be between a man and a woman. Well, how could that upset someone? Or God created the world, uh, or mm. intelligent design, and you wouldn't have thought that would have picked an argument a few years ago, but mm. now you could be accused of hate speech mm. in some context. And it's a very hostile environment in some campuses and some workplaces to anyone trying to express their Christian faith, and you can get into trouble. Well, people have lost their jobs in, for example, British Airways, for doing something like wearing a cross necklace. Mm. Uh, now, it's okay for you to wear something resembling an Eastern religion. That's mm. fine. But uh, a British Airways person, and you would have thought Britain, isn't that a Christian country? Wow. And wearing a cross necklace, this person gets fired. Mm. And people have been fired from being scientists for believing in intelligent design, not even believing in a creator, just mm. intelligent design, using a term like, you, know, you can see a cheetah's designed for speed. Mm. engineered for speed. Now, that doesn't sound like a hate speech comment. Mm. This cheetah is engineered for speed, or you can see this design in nature, but that has been enough to get some people lose their professorships and kicked out of college faculties. Mm. Yeah, so you're not, even, you're not even saying anything radical. You're just saying you believe in a God who designed. So just having a thought or a belief gets you in trouble. Just believing the wrong thing, not even saying or doing the wrong thing necessarily. It's believing the wrong thing. Thought crimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is what George Orwell warned about so many years ago. And I used to think it was, you know, funny, uh, but mm. I had no idea that it could ever come true in my lifetime, mm. that you could have thought police enforcing thought crimes, and then next thing the person gets unpersoned and vaporized and disappeared down mm. the memory hole. Well, that... <laughs> That sounds almost prophetic. That was written in 1948, hmm. and yet that's where we are now. Wow. So there's a lot of warnings in the Bible, but the trouble is a lot of people go maybe to college or to their first secular job with a lot of great goals and aims, and and many get shattered because they haven't been prepared enough for the battlefront. And we need to understand we're in a world at war with God, a world that is in a state of emergency, a world where people have... Uh, declared war on God sometimes and against his laws, a world that's in rebellion to the laws of God. And in many cases, it's very hostile to the Christian faith. Now, mm. that's not a reason for us to hide in the basement or to be afraid to live our faith in the mm. marketplace, but we need to be prepared. And yeah. so we've got to understand 
where the worldviews come from. We've got to know what we believe, why we believe it, and we mm-hmm. need to be able to explain it and defend it if asked to, as the Bible says in 1 Peter 3 verse 15, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that's within you. Mm. Yeah, so we need to be deeply grounded in our faith, deeply grounded in the scriptures, deeply grounded in our relationship with the Lord. Because if you come into conflict with your worldview, with the Christian worldview, and you have a weak foundation, it's going to crumble and collapse. And that, unfortunately, is what happens to way too many people who go into universities, even some into Christian universities that are teaching the truth. I've had friends who came out of Bible college as coming out of the closet. Uh, I've had others come out of Bible college denying core doctrines of the faith, like the doctrine of hell or uh, the judgment of God and the authority of scripture. And so these things happen. And so when we look at books like the book of Hebrews, there are all these warnings throughout the book of Hebrews to stand firm, hold fast, don't don't let go of the faith that you once held on to. Don't, don't drift away. And one part in uh, Hebrews 3, he says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So maybe there are those of you who are about to go into university and you're thinking, yeah, I'm a Christian. I've grew up a Christian, uh, but you're not really ready to face these ideologies. You need to be sure that you're rock solid in the word of God, in your faith, in what the Christian worldview is as you face these challenges. Because you don't want to be another statistic that you're just another one of these Christians who grew up a Christian and you end up a secularist or an atheist Mm. as you come out of college. Yes, well, I I remember for myself... uh, First of all, I was brought up in a secular family, so I knew the secular world. Mm. Um, but I was converted just the year before I had to go to do my military service. And so I was a very new convert, and I didn't know that much. But mm. going into the military where you're surrounded by all kinds of blaspheming heathen mm. and all kinds of – and later on I had the fire brigade. So uh, in that situation, you had to be able to – Make a stand. And I remember one missionary saying to me, make your stand for Christ early. Hmm. Don't let people discover weeks later that you're a Christian. From the first day, make your stand. Whether it's that you're putting a Bible by your bedside, uh, that you pray before your meals, make your stand clear. Uh, you know, don't laugh at their off-colored jokes. Don't hmm. uh, pretend to be a, a pagan like everyone else. And then one day say, oh, well, I'm also Christian. Yeah. And, and, and that's what's good advice to, mm. to make make your stand early. And I actually found it a lot easier than those people who were sort of secret agent Christians mm. and submarines and only surfaced much later. Because the, the secular people did not forgive them for the fact that they, had been, they hadn't been straightforward. Mm. So it's definitely, uh, even, even people who don't like your position will respect you if you are consistent. But then you still got to know what you believe. And they will throw you with, well, what about this? And why that? And how could God do this? And what about the Bible says this, but also says that? And and you need to understand the issues that are out there. And of course, that doesn't mean we've got to have all the answers, hmm. but we've got to know where to find the answers. So that when people ask you something, say, uh, let me look into that and I'll get back to you. And we've got to know where to get the answers to hmm. the different questions. We don't need to be encyclopedia, but hmm. if we know our Bible and uh, I found it very challenging living around non-Christians who 
daily challenging you. And it just drove me to the Word of God. Just, what does the Bible say? And how can I reconcile this with that? And, and uh, when I came out of the army, I was keen to get to theological college to get the answers hmm. for a lot of these things. And I found myself getting a lot more out of college than a lot of others did because I knew what I needed it for because I knew mm. the battles that I would fight in the world. Mm. Yeah, and this isn't neutral playing field that we're going into. This is a spiritual battle. This is a battle for the souls of people that uh, the enemies of God, uh, Paul says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the authorities, the rulers over this present darkness. So there is a spiritual war at work using these different ideologies to deceive and pull people away from the living God. So I think for one thing, it's really important to get connected to a really solid Christian community that can be encouraging you, that can be praying mm -hmm. for you. Uh, as the author of Hebrews says, it says, exhort, encourage everyone, one another every day, as long as it's called today. So you need to be in fellowship with other believers so you actually can encourage each other as you're facing this spiritual war together. Be in prayer for each other. Uh, what would be some some of your suggestions for those going into these really secular state places? I know you said you should kind of take your stand early on and firm in the beginning. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that because people aren't going to think, hey, who is this guy? He's been kind of a secular guy this whole time. And now suddenly he's a Christian a year after I know him. <laughs> what happened to him? So that's one thing. Take a stand early. Uh, find a good Christian community. What are some other well, things that we can do? Uh, you need to read. You need to not only know your Bible and be in a habit of daily devotions and a daily discipline of reading, of studying. Because if you're asked, can you explain what's a biblical position in economics hmm. or education or crime and punishment or origins or biology or science or mathematics? There, there aren't biblical answers to all these hmm. things. And the Bible speaks to every area of life. And we've got now to apply the Lordship of Christ to all areas of life. Our Lord in the Great Commission command us to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations by teaching obedience to all things that the Lord has commanded. Now, how many Christians know all that the Lord has commanded hmm. and understand how you apply that to the different cultural situations we're in? So this is why worldviews are so important that if we've studied books that tackle the worldviews. Now, by this we mean, look, it's great if you know your field and you're specializing in biology uh, chemistry, uh, engineering, what, whatever your field is, that, that's great. And you should know everything you can about that. But when people get you off your topic, you should still know enough broadly about the biblical worldview that you can recognize where the other person is coming from and that you can know roughly the Christian answers, know where in the Bible to find these answers. Mm -hmm. So that's why your worldview, uh, your worldview is basically uh, the set of presuppositions or assumptions mm -hmm. about all areas of life. So our worldview determines our values, it guides how we think, and it guides how we live. Mm. Because everyone's influenced by our worldview, either mm. consistently or inconsistently, or consciously or subconsciously, but we all are affected by our worldview. Now, that worldview may be true, it could be false, it could be partly true and partly mm. false. In fact, a lot of people are a bit mixed. You may have some people who've got a partly secular, partly Christian worldview, and so on. There's a lot of varieties. Mm. But basically... Underlying everything are some key questions like, what is reality? Hmm. And what's our base of knowledge? And how can we know right from wrong? And, and what is man? Hmm. What happens to a person after death? And what is the meaning of history? And why is there suffering and evil? And what's the purpose of our existence? And how should we live? Hmm. Because you're going to hear all sorts of things. 
You're going to hear about reincarnation. You're going to hear about mm. extinction. You're going to hear about all sorts of ideas of cosmic recycling of souls. And uh, the idea that, uh, well, what are we? Are we just um, evolved slime? Are we matter in motion from mm. goo to zoo to you? Uh, are we creation? Are we fallen creation? All mm. of the our answers to all these questions makes a huge difference. And, of course, out there, you're going to come up with a secular humanist worldview, New Age worldview, Marxist worldview, Islamic worldview. There's a lot of worldviews out there. Mm. There's, you might come across the Buddhist and Hindu. But do you know the biblical Christian worldview? Mm. And can you answer it? And have you checked with the Bible to see that this is really um, solidly grounded in the Scripture, not just one uh, verse taken out of context, mm. but this is the tenor of Scripture's teaching. So uh, how do we get this? Well, that's why you have biblical worldview seminars and biblical worldview summits and training courses. And, and there's some great books like Understanding the Times. And we need to know biblical principles for Africa, for all areas of life, discipleship principles. And you cannot get enough training uh, before going into battlefield. And mm. uh, we shouldn't skimp it and think, well, you know, I'll just wing it. Um, yeah. Because the other side's well organized, and yeah. and maybe some of our listeners have seen the films "God's Not Dead" or mm. any of those series. It'll give you a little inkling, a little inkling mm. of what might be waiting for you uh, in uh, especially uh, secular universities and and the hostility you might face in some classrooms. Mm. So, just thinking about those worldview questions, uh, imagine we go through that talking about naturalism or atheism. Think, what is reality? Nature just existence particles matter in motion that that's reality it's just this raw material uh what is our basis of knowledge the scientific method <laughs> that's your that's your scripture if you will it's mm. scientific theory how you test everything or dust capital in some cases <laughs> uh how can we know what's right and wrong how would you answer that as a naturalist I think I feel um, I believe. Let's have a show of hands. We've been we've been we've evo highly evolved to a point where society agrees on this moral standard. But as soon as the society agrees that rape is right, then suddenly that becomes right, or murder is right for the better good of society. Well, well we, we've seen uh, them change from a point of view where uh, it wasn't that long ago that divorce or polygamy or mm. adultery was a civil crime, and now. It could be a crime for you to say, well, marriage is between one man and one woman. And before you know it, you're guilty of hate speech, mm. whatever that means. And uh, so, yes, you can see that that uh, things are in flux. Mm. So are we going to take our standards from the shifting sands of public opinion mm. or the rock-solid stand of God's word? Mm. Yeah, and what what is man in a naturalistic worldview? Just highly evolved slime or goo or matter? Mm. Your highly evolved bacteria, what... What moral, uh, what moral obligation does highly evolved bacteria have to another highly evolved bacteria? There uh, is no <laughs> you came from nothing. You're going nowhere. Life is meaningless. If you, if you look at the foundation of that worldview, there really is no foundation for ethics, for moral absolutes. It's all in flux. And our purpose, uh, I've heard some atheists say asking questions of meaning and purpose is like asking what is the color of jealousy? it's a false question you can't even answer the question so they're saying it's just this random question we ask that doesn't even there is no answer to it how depressing is that and in an atheistic naturalistic secularist worldview is that there's no purpose to your life no purpose whatsoever and that's why an honest naturalist or atheist will say 
Well, maybe the end of your worldview is actually nihilism, which is very depressing. There's no purpose for existence whatsoever. In the atheist delusion film, um, the atheist delusion film, it gives a list of a whole lot of key uh, atheists, and many of whom, many top atheist thinkers, end up by committing suicide. Mm. Just think like Ernest Hemingway and so on. I mean, tragic. But of course, the natural end result of a chance existence in a meaningless uh, universe. Uh, you, you've got nowhere that you've come from. There's nowhere you're going. There's no meaning or purpose to life. There's no right or wrong. Uh, for many people, they can't even manage to live in that, not consistently, not, not for long. Yeah, absolutely. And it affects everything. If you listen to Francis Schaeffer, he talks about how it affects, it affects the arts, it affects music, it affects everything. Where do you get this crazy death metal music it's actually from a nihilistic worldview. Everything's chaotic, random. It's all just this meaningless mass chaos. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get this, these genres of music are actually reflecting the worldview. Yes, and art too. So there was a time when the goal of art was realism and beauty and order. And that produced out of it uh, many people concerned for duty and family and raising next generation producing beautiful buildings and mm. parks and art. But you can see that uh, it's not accidental that the age of revolution has come along with, with chaotic and ugly um, mm, art, art. Yeah. because the goal is actually to break down um, the society. So you've got the Frankfurt School of Marxism, uh, the uh, Gramsci strategy, where they said to seize control over the Christian Western civilization. You've got to de-Christianize the West. You've got to Marxize the inner man. And these philosophers like Marcuse, uh, Herbert Marcuse, who said we've got to use obscenity and vulgarity and blasphemy in the arts and entertainment uh, in order to mainstream it uh, like verbal grenades against the bourgeois to mm. break down Christian civilization and how they must use pornography and blasphemy to mm. undermine Christianity and, and get people to stop thinking about things in terms of God and his law and the Bible, mm. but to start getting people not just to think of things without reference to God, but hostile to God. We need to Marxize the inner man where a person not only has a non-Christian mind, but an anti-Christian mind. And there's, there were philosophers who moved over from the Frankfurt School of Marxism, these Marxists into the universities in the West mm. with a deliberate goal of rotting and eating out like termites, the very structures of every pillar of civilization. So the chaos that we're seeing in the revolutions in the street, it's not accidental. It's inevitable result of a philosophy of education, mm. a philosophy of revolution, actually, that's hijacked education institutions to advance that very goal. Hmm. And that's why it's so important that we as Christians... Our minds are transformed by the renewal of God's word, that God's word will actually saturate us. Paul talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man, being renewed in the knowledge of the image of your creator and how this actually transforms you. This, this, what you focus on, the, what is true, what is noble, what is just, what is pure, it actually transforms you as a person. And that's why these Christ, Christian worldviews are so important. So <clears throat> maybe we can... Um, just discuss a little bit more about uh, what this, what people can do now who are hearing this and maybe interacting with this and saying, wow, I haven't even been aware of these issues to this radio broadcast. What can, what can I do to actually be 
transformed and the renewing of my mind actually to begin having my mind changed by God's word and so that I can reject these false ideologies that the world throws at us. Well, every year we have a biblical worldview summit where we actually get people together in order to have a one-week intensive crash course in understanding worldviews and especially the biblical worldview and uh, giving people uh, the confidence to be able to know what they believe, why they believe it, how to defend it and explain it and argue it, how to win uh, fellow students to Christ. And this is done with a body, mind and spirit. Very balanced program. There's lots of team building, obstacle crossing, problem solving, debating <laughs> skill games. Um, and of course, there's uh, PT and hikes and things like this, lots of fun stuff uh, and, and some great films and guest speakers. And, and we tackle things and we study uh, and and get answers to these, and there's some great films and, and as well. But uh, it's all to, in answer to what Colossians 2 verse 8 says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So the Biblical Worldview Summit aims to give a Bible-based, Christ-centered, solid um, education in a fun way. And everyone who comes here goes away with, books and training materials and some flash drives and SD cards and a whole lot of good digital library materials to enable people to go further. And they'll have the answers to many of the problems, but more importantly, access to where to get the answers to all the other great uh, challenges that are going to arise. So I think the, the real, <clears throat> the real, the nice thing about this is that as people, they come to the Biblical Worldview Summit or camp, and they actually begin to interact with some of these false ideologies in an environment where you can actually start to filter it through a Christian worldview. You can filter it through the Word of God. So you can actually see, okay, now I'm seeing this false ideology before you're just thrown into the deep end. Okay, how do I interact with it? And like you said, we have these games like uh, Minute to Win It. Is that the name of the game? Just a minute. Oh, just a minute. Just a minute where you're taught debating skills. So if people put you on the spot, well, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? You have the ability now and confidence and a bit of practice that you can actually begin doing this and a bit of experience going out on outreach, talking to people on the streets and learning how to actually engage with people uh, who don't know the Lord. So it's a great opportunity, a great, a great time that just equips you, gives you the tools, gives you the confidence and helps you be that much more prepared as you go out into the world. Mm. So, Dr. Hammond, where can people go to learn, get some more resources, get some more training uh, so that they can confront these ideologies? www.frontlinemissionsa.org. So, frontlinemissionsa.org, you'll look and you'll see there's events right down the bottom of the page. Events, you see Biblical Worldview Summit 2021 from the 4th to the 11th of January. That's Monday the 4th to Monday the 11th. Oh, it's a full seven-day program. Uh, we will be having near Cape Town at a campsite, this Biblical Worldview Summit. And we've been doing this for many years, actually since 1991. So this will be 30 years mm. since our first Biblical Worldview Summit being held in, in South Africa. And it's, it's so popular. We've actually done these all over. I've run Biblical Worldview seminars and summits in Malawi, Namibia, Nigeria, Romania, mm. Sudan, um, uh, United States, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. And of course, in South Africa for 30 years, pretty consistently virtually mm. every year, uh, sometimes more than that. In fact, this coming uh, weekend, I'll be in Pretoria to to run a, a weekend Biblical Worldview Seminar. But this one will be from the 4th to the 11th of January. So we are just a month away. And uh, if people are interested, they can contact mission 
at frontline.org.za, mission at frontline.org.za, or phone 689 that's the phone number, email mission at frontline.org.za. We actually have a Facebook page called Biblical Worldview Summit. So mm. if you're on Facebook, you can look for Biblical Worldview Summit, see some pictures and things from previous times. If you go onto our frontlinemissionsa.org website to the event and you click on, there'll be some videos of previous uh, ones just to get an idea of, of what the camps look like and the kind of activities and maybe some reports of previous ones and responses that people gave and uh, some of uh, what is involved. And it's practical. Uh, it's It's fun. Uh, there are beds. Uh, you do sleep in in, in uh, real uh, chalets or dormitories, and you just bring your own bedding, whether you want a sleeping bag or uh, that sort of thing. But we'll answer those questions. If a person is free enough to come, uh, every Thursday night in Rondebosch, we hold a, a Reformation Society meeting, and we often tackle issues like this at 7 o'clock on, on a Thursday night. So people can contact for that. If you can't come to camp and you want to get the book or the audio, um, you can contact us as well and ask for the box sets of previous Biblical Worldview Summits. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us tonight. We hope that you do uh, look us up on the web. That's frontlinemissionsa.org. And thank you so much. Good night and God bless.